Hi, Dan Illick here from Irrational Fear. In my hotel room in Canberra where we just performed the show you're about to listen to. Thank you, Canberra. You were brilliant from start to finish. This is a great show. So please, if you like it, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review and a five-star rating. Apparently, it really helps people find the podcast. Also, if you have friends that enjoy the dumb satirical stuff that we do, subscribe them to our podcast. We work really hard on creating the best show we possibly can. So we're trying to get as many listeners as we can before the heat death of the earth occurs. Enjoy the show. It is a cracker. Canberra, you rock. Rational fear contains strong, coarse language and traces of nuts. Rational fear recommends listening by an immature audience. Tonight, after Boris Johnson said he'd rather be dead in a ditch than delay Brexit, London has been gripped by a shortage of shovels. And Engadine McDonald's has converted its toilets to be gender neutral, putting up a sign saying, please use the toilet that best fits your gender identity, just don't make a mess. And the Canberra War Memorial is set to get a half a billion dollar extension. Critics say it will be turned into Disneyland. Supporters say it'll be turned into Disneyland. Beaming to you live around Australia from Canberra's telecom tower, this is the Rational Fear! Fantastic. Welcome to Irrational Fears Midwinter Board. Not only is this our first show in Canberra, <laughs> this is also our also our inaugural fundraiser uh, because uh, tonight's proceeds from tonight's show actually go to the Liberal Party of Australia. So <laughs> uh, I, I seem to have misjudged that one. I shouldn't have. <laughs> gee, uh, I know I understand where Hugh Marks is right now. Um, so thank you. Now some of you have paid thirty-five dollars a ticket. Some of you have paid ten thousand dollars a ticket. Um, so thank you. There are some prizes. Sam Dastiari has kindly donated this sealed Aldi bag. Um, Sam Dastiari is actually in the bag. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, you still owe me a thousand bucks. All right. Um, Can I donate $10,000 to make sure Sam does not come out of the bag? <laughs> we might try and get him on the show soon, so maybe he'll give us, give me $10,000 and I'll just book Oh, him. do you reckon it'll be hard to get Sam Dastiari to a microphone? <laughs> Sam Dastiari talks into security cameras since he's been out of politics. He's so needy of it. So I mean, this gift's actually from Audi. I went down the middle aisle of Audi and got some prizes for you. Um, so they could be like a, uh, it could be like a capsicum, or it could be uh, a sixty-inch television. Uh, you just, or it could be a th- hundred thousand dollars in Chinese donations. You never know. You never know. Well, we're going to be giving that away to somebody who uh, pops their email into the email on the on the website, irrationalfear.com. Give me your email, and we'll give you a prize. Right. This is Irrational Fear, the show that tells you what you should be scared of. Let's meet our fear mongers for tonight. First up, he's the Guardian's photographer at large, but you may know him from his time when he puts his face in the front of the camera. It is ABC Insider's Mike Bowers. Mike, um, tonight you're going to be lamenting one of Australia's great TV people, but which TV personality that's long been gone do you think should make a comeback? Well, I've heard a whisper, and I can uh, uh, reveal exclusively to you people, that Plucker Duck will be replacing Spearsy <laughs> on Sky News. <laughs> Our next fearmonger is one of the country's sharpest journalists. She moved from The Guardian to Triple J's hack because the drugs are better. Uh, um, and I also have the b- added benefit of having everything I do now scrutinised by Senate Estimates. <laughs> which usually would be a bummer, but I quite like hearing Erica Betts say fellatio. <laughs> <laughs> it's Shalila Medora! <laughs> now, Shai, you're, you're going to be focusing on the Canberra bubble tonight. What's one thing, what's like one unfair stereotype about Canberra you think, you know, we could lose? That we're boring? I mean, we had pill testing. There were at least 171 people who were having a good time in the city. <laughs> Next is a man who used to be the intern for Lewis and I when we were working at Hungry Beast, but now he's more famous with boomers than two of us put together. It's Mark Humphreys! Can I get you some water, Dan? (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) We'd love that. Um, Tonight you'll be focusing uh, on other showbiz matters. Uh, For you, what's like a dead and buried TV format that you'd like to see return to television? Other than pointless. Um, (laughs) Well, I think we'd all love to see Mark Latham's Outsiders come back. I think 
anything to get him out of, outside of uh, New South Wales Parliament would be a step up. <laughs> and finally, our last big bonga came to Canberra with me last when we made a musical about this city that sadly didn't win any Tony Awards. It's Lewis Hubber. Hey. <laughs> Lewis, tonight you're going to be taking a closer look at the Liberal fundraiser that Channel 9 hosted. Um, if not for media companies, where should the Liberal Party get their donations from? I care less about them getting donations and more about me getting donations. <laughs> it just it irritated me to see Channel 9 raising money for public servants. And for me, as a public servant, to be totally out in the cold. <laughs> if only, Lewis, there was someone in the Liberal Party high up in the structure that would donate their own money. A millionaire, for instance. <laughs> <laughs> this is a rational fear. Smart-ass comedy, so tasty, even Flume wants to eat it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but enough about arse-eating, yes. <laughs> Yes, our first fear tonight. Now, 2014, it was only five years ago, but I already miss it. The Ice Bucket Challenge was in full swing. The world's most popular comedian was Louis C.K. Uh, <laughs> and everyone was going around saying, uh, saying that summer's most popular phrase, which was, I will not comment in relation to On Water Matters. Uh, <laughs> in fact, I think I will not comment in relation to On Water Matters was the baby shark of the year. <laughs> I don't know any 2019 references. I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> It was so famous that it even made it on to a popular TV quiz show. Well, the final question worth $7,000. Scott, here you go. Take a look at this picture. What's the well-known catchphrase? It's an ongoing operational matter. Oh, wrong so close. Hey, I bet the audience knows what it was. Yes, yeah, sadly, Scott, you miss out on the $7,000, which isn't enough to buy you a journalist visa to Papua New Guinea anyway. Good night. Wow. I learned everything I know from him. <laughs> the one thing you can be guaranteed of when Dan Ellick and Mark Humphreys are in the same room are a lot of outdated television references. <laughs> if anyone has any blankety-blanks jokes... Anything like that? These guys are ready to go. <laughs> That's Humphreys. He was the host at the reboot. Do we have any Don Lane fans in the audience? <laughs> now, that was back, way back when the government decided the only way to stop the boats from appearing in the news was to stop the news of the boats. And it worked, even though the boats didn't stop. The media stopped covering the boats. How times have changed. It is 2019, and On Water Matters is cool again. By now, you all would have heard about this Tamil family who are on Christmas Island, and they're in the process of being deported. They arrived by boat years ago, set up a life in Queensland in the town of Biloela, took up jobs no one wanted, had a couple of kids, and it's a problematic phrase, but, uh, but you know, this family were very much the model immigrant, um, you know, like Tatiana Grigorieva or Tony Abbott. Um, <laughs> But the Department of Immigration have found that they don't have a real case for asylum, despite one of the parents witnessing their fiancé at the time being set on fire by militia. Now, Australian standards for asylum are so high, uh, you're not getting in unless you're dead. Uh, it's really sad. But So now this, this family is huge news now, and they are proving to be a big pain in the ass for this government. ScoMo, who back in 2013-2014 would never have ever dared to talk about boat arrivals, began last week, for the first time in five years, to talk about boat arrivals with the announcement that the boats are back and they're coming from Sri Lanka, where this Tamil family is from. Maybe I'm being cynical, guys. <laughs> what do you think, Lewis? Well, I mean, I, I saw Shalila um, posting a tweet about a direct quote from Scott Morrison, which was essentially saying... He, he was not even a cynical observation. He's like, oh, no, we need to make sure it's front of people's minds so they, they stay afraid. He basically said exactly that. Yeah. yeah, he wasn't even hiding the reason he was bringing it up. Well, if you stop the boats continually, you'll stop the votes. So you need to almost stop the boats, and there's a chance they might start again so you can get the votes. And the paradox of stop... I think I'm with you. <laughs> the, the paradox of stopping the boats is that when you stop the boats, you stop people knowing about the boats. Um, and by the way, the boats haven't stopped. There have been 33 attempts over the last six years. So it's, it's wrong to say they've stopped. But by stopping reporting on it, the coalition loses one of its biggest voter draw cards. We're going to have to take that trophy back in his office. We really are. <laughs> he should never have had it in Give the first place. back the trophy. <laughs> Um, now, given what a mess Australia is, if you were a people smuggler, how would you sell Australia to a potential client? 
I'd like to sell it um, in the way that we sell real estate in this country. So I'd say that Australia um, is a spacious fixer-upper with great water views <laughs> and in an up-and-coming neighbourhood. I think we're also... Aren't we also the, we're the ushy capital of the world? If you, there's, there's a lot of money in ushies, I understand. If you um, were a people smuggler and you were trying to get boats to Australia... Uh, in a way that would still have people voting for the coalition, put franking credits on the boats. <laughs> now, I'd also like to say to anyone who wants to come here, it doesn't matter what country you came from if you had censorship, in this country, everyone has the right to be a bigot. Uh, <laughs> Just catch a plane. They're not watching the airport. <laughs> it's true. Well, this is interesting. Um, so the minister as we know, can exercise ministerial discretion when it comes to special cases. Uh, back when Peter Dutton was immigration minister, one of his mates called him up and said, hey, I've got some au pairs stuck at the border. Uh, do you reckon you could let them through? And he's like, yeah, no worries. Uh, what do you think will convince Dave Coleman to let this family stay? Well, I think, does, I think my understanding is that David Coleman is open to the idea of them staying, but even he, as the immigration minister, doesn't have these powers anymore. Doesn't Peter Dutton now overrule I think Coleman's? they both have the powers, which is very confusing. Do they both have can a, they, they can they both like have rule a key each other they've got to turn at the same time? <laughs> uh, yeah, fingerprints, the whole uh, retina scans, you know it. <laughs> yeah. Well, ScoMo has suggested that this, this issue is merely Labor and lefties taking pot shots at the government. Well-known lefty voices like Barnaby Joyce want the fam family <laughs> to stay. We, as we all know, Barnaby loves families. He's got two of them. Um, <laughs> and that raging hippie, Alan Jones... Uh, <laughs> Also wants, the government, also wants the family to say, I can't believe that I actually agree with Alan Jones on something. It's very strange, very strange. I, though I do think that he and I uh, see this issue from two different sides. Our, our reasons are different why we want the family in the country. I don't know if you heard this. This is from his show from this week. Oh, Alan, I'm a woman and you've always been nice to me. Oh, thank you, Mildred. That's because you've always requested Anthony Kalia. Oh, what a voice. Uh. You're listening to the Alan Jones Breakfast Show right across Australia. Today's show is proudly sponsored by GoFundMe.com, where you'll find a range of causes to donate to, like the Alan Jones Advertisement Replacement Fund. Help the Alan Jones close the gap in this quarter's sales budget. Uh. 2GB873. How about this? What a couple of weeks it has been for this Tamil family who have made a life in Bulawila, Queensland. They've found jobs, a home and a community that wants them. Good on them. I can tell from personal experience that when you are forced to relocate your entire life, it is very difficult to find that kind of support. For me, I was lucky. When I moved from 2UE to 2GB, they did the most remarkable thing to make me feel welcome. They gave me shares in the company. That's love. You can't put a price on that. But if you did, it'd be about $4 million. The way I'm going, that'll come in handy. Now, as a nation, we need to come together to save this Tamil family. Personally, I've been very affected by this story. For instance, the more I talk about it, the more advertisers return to the show. Slowly. If you haven't been following, over the last two weeks, I've witnessed the horror of the mass migration of hundreds of thousands of advertising dollars away from my program <laughs> after I suggested that New Zealand's Prime Minister, Jacinta Ardern, put a sock in it, which is not the phrase I used, but that's the one I meant. God, people hold me responsible for the things I say. What next? Hold me responsible for the things I do? <laughs> oh, dear. Now, here's the thing. People make mistakes, and people should be allowed to make mistakes. We need to forgive them. The only mistake that this Tamil family has made is that they came to Australia by boat and not by plane, using their Qantas frequent flyer points. And I've made plenty of mistakes. Oh, God, yes, I have. Oh, I've threatened violence against two women prime ministers. I've, I've told one her father would die of shame because of her. I bullied the woman boss of the Opera House to promote my gambling enterprise. I once said the phrase in the woodpile. Apparently you can't say that anymore. in the woodpile. It's not allowed these days to say in the woodpile. Oh God, I've said it so much. I don't find it offensive. I've also advocated for eugenics, saying that we needed more stolen generations. And let's not forget, I've incited race riots on Sydney's beaches. They lasted a few days. Oh God. That's right, folks. I have made mistakes, but you've all forgiven me in the past many, many times. We should forgive this family. The only crime they've committed is the one of trying to stay alive. Oh, God, I know that feeling all too well. 
<laughs> Staying alive in the ratings. Bloody that Carla Jackie O nipping at your heels. Oh dear. So if I could help this family stay in Australia, maybe, just maybe, the one million dollars I lost in advertising over the last month will return too. Speaking of returning, since we don't have any ads, I've got Anthony Clear's Christmas in July album. Oh, oh what a voice. Oh, take it away. <laughs> All right. Alan Jones, ladies <laughs> That was probably the longest one. I felt that was very long. That could have done with an edit. Yeah. <laughs> felt just like the real thing. <laughs> can we get Anthony Kalia on the show one day? We need him. Yeah, we, 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 can, I, he, we DM, so I can ask him. That's great. Between Anthony Kalia and, um, and uh, Grant Denyer, that does make about 50% of the Irrational Fear jokes. <laughs> yeah. Great to get them Punching on. Punching bags. And put them together, and they do make up 100% of a normal-sized person. <laughs> All right, fear number two. Vienna took out first place in The Economist's Most Livable City Index, with Melbourne and Sydney coming in second and third places, which begs the question, has The Economist even been to Sydney? I mean... <laughs> I don't know. Haven't been to the M5 tunnel, that's for sure. Yeah, far out. I, mean, I guess Sydney's so livable because no-one's at risk of dying from having a good time there. Uh, the chances of dying from drugs and alcohol are down. The chances of dying in your sleep are up. <laughs> But that's because that's the only thing you're allowed to do. Right, Australia's favourite punching bag, Adelaide, even made it into the top ten. Uh, that's right, Canberra. You were beaten by Adelaide, uh, a city famous for putting tourists in barrels and shallow graves. Uh, now, has no one told The Economist that you have tram now? <laughs> Is that really the most exciting thing that's happened to you? Fuck, it does suck here. <laughs> My brother said, can you put this joke in the show? He said, said someone got ran over the other day and they were sent to uh, the, the, the hospital and the, the ward was called the Darwin Award. <laughs> That's why it's not in the show. <laughs> Relax. Actually, he's in the show. Uh, at the interval, you can see, you might be able to pick him out. All right, so my question is... My question is uh, is Canberra a livable city? All right, here we go. So why was Canberra left off the top ten list, do you think? Because you can't get anywhere to eat after 9pm. <laughs> I, I just drove around a second ago, and for a, a city with no one in it, you still can't park. Is that a normal experience? <laughs> what the fuck's that about? What can Canberrans do to get their city into the top ten, do you think? I, need, I think you need to fuck off that fence around the uh, Parliament House. You can't <laughs> roll down there. <laughs> Main reason for coming here. You would be a great populist politician, Mark. <laughs> what? What? You can't roll. Is that you can't roll down the lawn? You can't lawn. roll down. You can't roll down the lawn. Parliament House lawn. You can roll down the bottom bit of the lawn. Yeah, the bottom bit. You can't Just roll, the bottom bit. You can't do the full democracy. Part of the de <laughs> part of the design was that the uh, the the peeps of uh, of Australia could literally walk on the top of their politicians, which is now not possible. Now anymore. you can walk on top of the car park and the gift shop. So that's pretty great. <laughs> All right, so ABC Canberra put this yarn up on their Facebook page and the comments were pretty delightful. Uh, when posed the question, is Canberra a livable city? John Gale said... Only to zombies. <laughs> Others were more pragmatic, like Max who wrote... The other cities on the list are way bigger than Canberra. doesn't make the cut because by world standard, it's not really a full-on proper city the way Vienna, Sydney... Mogadishu, <laughs> Detroit, or Pyongyang are. Whoa! I, I also love the etc. <laughs> a couple of the comments were a little touchy, like Owen, who wrote, Even Adelaide made the list. Okay, well, that was a bit snarky. <laughs> uh, but maybe Anne has the right strategy here. The less people know about Canberra, the better. <laughs> <laughs> Look at everyone What's... agreeing with Anne. Oh, What's well... that cheer for? Is you, do you have like a fuck off where full attitude about a camera? <laughs> because don't worry, I'm fucking off immediately. Like... <laughs> See, I think we should embrace the... Uh, everyone's sort of saying, well, Canberra's not, you know, the house on the hill and politics and parliament. I think we should embrace the men in suits, the boring image. We could have a festival. Like, we've got Floriard, we could have Boreard. <laughs> Come and watch the grass grow in Commonwealth Park. We'd have the world's most boring festival where you just came and did nothing. I like, I like that the ACT's new tourism campaign could be you'll never, never go, so you'll never, never know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 
boring one day, Canberra the next. <laughs> Maybe The Economist and the international, me- which is an international media giant, just forgot about Canberra. So I did a survey last week. I found some international visitors and I asked them one simple question. What is Canberra? What is Canberra. <laughs> I have no idea. I, 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 is it one of those lizard things? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> is that an animal? It's a rodent, right? Some kind of fruit? I feel like I've heard that word before. If it's a fruit, it's gonna be red, it's gonna be sweet, a little sour. <laughs> I have a feeling that it's not actually a thing. I determined that it's a big rat. <laughs> Maybe a berry type. Canberra? For female? It's a beach. Yes, beach. Yes? Uh, for camera. Cam- camera. Like the thing that you're filming us on? Uh, Do you know what a Canberra is? A Canberra? Canberra holster? Damn. <laughs> Do you know what that is? It's the country's capital. Oh, the capital of Australia. I knew it was a place. I didn't know. I didn't know. You have a capital named Canberra. I'm so sorry, man. <laughs> so sorry, mate. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Yeah. So good. That guy, that guy's from Malaysia and he proceeded to apologise for another five minutes. Uh, <laughs> it's also another great camera tourism slogan, potentially. Camera, I'm so, so sorry, sorry, man. <laughs> It was great. I, you should know that took me about two hours to make because the majority of people knew what camera was. But I was purposely looking for Americans and the only two I found were bag on talent. That was fantastic. <laughs> I love that. They're, they're from Tennessee. I love the man going, the boy going, oh yeah, I knew it was a place. <laughs> a rational fear. Our final fear for tonight. What goes up must come down. Now, Traditional owners have been patient with people climbing Uluru for 146 years. I say patient because they've been looking after it for 60,000 years. They initially thought that people climbing the rock would be a passing phase, but they recently realised it's not. One passing phase that is not going anywhere is Pauline Hansen. She attempted to climb Uluru in protest of the upcoming closure of the climb for a current affair. Uh, So we are now going to play Righto. Why don't we all hop up here? I'm going to play you some of the current affair story, just the beginning and the end. And these guys are going to jump in with the term Righto. When you guys see something you like or you think is funny, just jump in and say Righto and I'll stop the tape and then uh, we'll play. You guys ready to play Righto? All right, here we go. Here it is. It's very confronting. When I heard about the rock closing, I was not happy, all right? And I thought, you know, this belongs to all Australians. <laughs> right, she just started climbing. She's out of breath already. <laughs> I think it's special. It is special to be here. What reasons right, people I, I want that music playing when she comes into the Senate, Dan. <laughs> Whether they see it as a challenge, it's an iconic part of Australia right, no, to be sorry, involved. We've got to talk about this viewer poll. Surely this is the greatest argument for cancelling a current affair. That's <laughs> the... To enjoy it. I'd right, like to see the time st- <laughs> That's who we should be talking. I mean, great pace. I mean, obviously, I disrespectful it's... but fit. I think, I think that guy climbing behind is Andy Serkis. Uh, <laughs> I think it's that woman who, uh, she's trained herself to walk like a horse. Have you seen that uh, video? I think that's she's a Norwegian backpacker. <laughs> I really would. It's so, a big yeah. part of our Indigenous culture. Yeah. Righto, not the first time she's lectured a group of people of colour, and certainly not the last. Yeah. And I'm listening to the traditional... Righto, Barnaby land. wants his hat back, Dan. <laughs> And I will talk to them. So our opinion doesn't matter, even though we're indigenous. Beautiful. I'm listening to the traditional owners of the land. One small step for Pauline. When she said, who does she mean? Because who she's clearly not listening to them, or does she just mean physically, like hearing them currently? (laughs) I think she's talking about Hugh Marks from Channel Nine. Sacred. Look at the rock the constant mark that has now gone up it, that's going to be... Righto. What the walkers have done to Uluru, Pauline Hanson has done to Australian politics. She's left a mark all the way through it. 
I'm just going to let, let the applause ride. That was very good. <laughs> Giants leap into controversy. I, I might argue the point with you. I'm Indigenous. I was born here. I'm native to the land. So, you know, there, there is... Um, I'm Australian as well. And mm. I'm oh, Indigenous. Right, oh, can we stop? Fuck. <laughs> No, oh. no, no, there's worse coming. It can't be. It can't. Did she just say she was Indigenous because she was born here? Yeah, yeah. No, wait for it, Lewis. I don't know if you've seen this clip, but it's very I thought good. I had, but yeah. no. Here we go. So I think any part of the doubtful look on your face. Why, why, why do you look so doubtful? She's Indigenous. Yes, I am. Do you know the word Indigenous? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I was born here. If I, if, where's my land if it's not Australia? England. No, it's not. It's not. I don't know England. I wasn't born there. Yes. Right, she wins. Yeah. Viewer, new viewer poll. Uh, no, not really. Why oh, not? Because you don't know <laughs> Let's see how far right? we go. I don't know if I'm going to do the whole lot, but let's give it a go. It's By the way. Sorry, sorry. Right, right. We're doing this whole exercise. I'm not sure I'm going to do the whole thing. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing there? <laughs> Just like anyone who's joined her party. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very political. It's very steep. What, what are the rules of engagement here? What if, we, if one of us starts to go, what do we do? I will not right, right interfere. What, what I needs will... to go to the... What? Yeah. <laughs> also, of... am I an idiot? Who is he? <laughs> he's, a we... he's a reporter from Channel 9. I don't know. He's been on air for 100 years, but no one knows his name. Right. <laughs> like me. <laughs> Um, he's actually wearing, and I cut a clip, clip out earlier, he has actually turned up to the rock to climb the rock in a t-shirt, so Pauline Hanson gave him her jacket. <laughs> it's steep and slippery and treacherous, but the view is stunning. An amazing view of the Olgas, how beautiful are they? Yeah, they are. Actually, some people have been there, they said they're, they're a lot nicer over there than what the rock is itself. There's something spectacular about that. I just love that she's dissing the rock she's on. <laughs> she's like, nah, fuck, no one should climb it. Who gives a shit about Ayers Rock? Those fucking rocks over there are the ones. We should be climbing those. That's one view, but now there's entirely another. Pauline is pulling the pin. Seriously, I cannot walk down here. My boots are that bloody hole, that they're so smooth, I'm not getting any grip. Righto, not... she hasn't had a grip for years. <laughs> Thanks for playing Righto! <laughs> oh my God. Irrational Fear, our satire is broader than Northbourne Avenue. A rational fear. A rational Ladies and gentlemen, fear. Mark Humphreys! Yes, Thank you. Good evening. Yes, yes, I am. I am Mark Humphreys. Uh, for the uh, progressives in the audience, uh, you might know me as the mildly amusing satirist from ABC's 7.30. Uh, for the conservatives in the audience, you might know me as the deeply unfunny satirist from ABC's 7.30. <laughs> It is fitting that we should be assembled here this Saturday night at 7.30, uh, as this is the exact time that I know we all would have been home watching episode three of Saturday Night Rove. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but it was not to be. Um, Saturday Night Rove was the home of new Australian comedy uh, from the 24th of August 2019 to the 31st of <laughs> August 2019. And now it is no more. In fact, even uh, Robert Mugabe was allowed to live longer. <laughs> yes, I, I like that one too. Uh, uh, Channel 10 yanked it from the schedule, uh, dispatching it to that great variety TV graveyard in the sky uh, next to such TV landmarks as Don't Forget Your Toothbrush and Greeks on the Roof. Uh, Names that... Thank, thank you. <laughs> is this the equivalent of a gong, is it? <laughs> thank you. Um, now, for the purpose of this joke, I need to go backwards uh, to... Uh, it's killed the rhythm of that joke. Um, but we'll move on. We'll move on. You'll never know. 
Adding insult to injury, uh, Channel 10 audiences will no longer uh, be served new Australian comedy this Saturday night. Instead, they will tonight feast upon the 2004 comedy classic Shrek 2, uh, admittedly the pinnacle of the Shrek cinematic universe. But, but why am I mourning Saturday Night Rove? Is it because between the two of us, Rove and I have won three gold logies? Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Think about it. Uh, no, it is because once again an Australian comedy show has bit the dust prematurely and because once again we as a nation are left without someone for whom we can say hi to our mums. But admittedly Saturday Night Rove was an imperfect show but these things, they do take time like tonightly Hungry Beast and countless of, uh, other shows before them. Um, we've lost another platform for young comedic voices in this country. Once again, leaving Australia's comedic talent no option but to debase themselves by recording podcasts in front of a live audience. <laughs> but Rove was not the only person to have their show cancelled by Channel 10 this year. No, it also happened to me. Yes, me. The, yeah, I know. The golden-haired cherub of Australian TV. Yes. Cut down in my prime to make way for celebrity name game. That's right, in mid-2018, I replaced Grant Denyer, and in mid-2019, I was replaced by Grant Denyer. In other words, I was the Julia Gillard to Grant Denyer's Kevin Rudd. <laughs> And speaking of Rudd, even he, the man who uh, was brought back to uh, save the furniture, even he uh, could not save Saturday Night Rove with his handball appearance. Uh, a man so compelling, he released his memoirs in two volumes. Uh, and just to recap, that's uh, Paul Keating Memoirs Zero, Kevin Rudd Memoirs Two. Forget Harold Holt, that has to be Australia's greatest prime ministerial tragedy. <laughs> But for, thank you. <laughs> but for 10 beautiful months, I was the host of Channel 10's crazily addictive quiz show, Pointless, uh, a quiz show which turned out not to be crazily addictive. Uh, there I became known for my unforgettable iconic catchphrases such as, good evening, you're watching Pointless, welcome back to Pointless, and that concludes tonight's episode of Pointless. And as I look around at the 150-odd people here tonight, let me say how much it warms my heart to see all of Pointless's viewing audience together in the one room. <laughs> but while we have lost many worthy game shows over the years, from The Weakest Link to Man Oh Man, one show... <laughs> Fucking hell! That's, That's for you, Lewis. That's for you. That's like 1994. <laughs> Into the pool, Lewis. It's due for uh, comeback. <laughs> but one, one, one game show has outlived them all. A cockroach that survives apocalypse after apocalypse. I'm speaking, of course, about who wants to be a millionaire slash millionaire hot seat. Millionaire has aired over 2,300 episodes and is now in its 20 first year. If it were a person, it would be able to drink and vote. In fact, it's so old, Prince Andrew wouldn't even be photographed with it. <laughs> Say, somebody give that guy a job. <laughs> the, uh, the 2016 census revealed that 86.9% of all Australians have been contestants on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? <laughs> give or take. Eddie Maguire has outlasted five prime ministers. By any measure, he is our de facto head of state. <laughs> and yet, for a show that has aired over 2,300 episodes, it has produced only four millionaires. And one of them is Eddie Maguire. <laughs> so, though any cancellation is a tragedy for those involved, if the TV gods must claim another scalp, Maybe make it millionaire, because as Goff would say, it's time. Yeah. Yes, Mark Humphreys. That was beautiful, Mark. That was beautiful. Thank you. Uh, have any of you ever been cancelled by a network before? 
I thought I'd last about sort of six months on Insiders, and here we are, eighteen years later. So, hey. yeah. well, I think I'm, I think I beat Eddie almost. No? Well, <laughs> well, how did you find out? So, you, you and Lewis were on Hungry Beast. How did you find out that was over? Oh, I think Andrew Denton came in and said, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, Lewis, Daniel, you're fired." <laughs> I think that's what he said. So, it's been a pleasure and an honour, uh, Lewis. You've always been like a giant look-alike son to me. <laughs> uh, do you know when I used to tell you that it's an absolute privilege to have a space on the national broadcaster? That's because we're not giving you holiday pay. <laughs> you get the impression they used to spend a lot of time imitating Andrew Denton. It's, it's, like, it's like the trip. It's competing dentists here at this point. Um, I, used to, I used to be on a show called The Roast. Please hold your applause. And um, we, uh, there, was a, there was a day uh, where it was, it was my birthday and it was uh, uh, someone else's birthday, Jazz Twemlow, et cetera, Jazz Twemlow. Uh, so uh, we knew there was going to be um, cake and we were told, oh, actually, the head of entertainment from the ABC is coming over. I'm like, oh, great, right, he's going to be part of the celebration. And he turns up and just says, I won't mince words, um, uh, the show's over. <laughs> no cake. <laughs> Fantastic. That's really great. That's, oh, God. That's it's ripped the Band-Aid right off. Uh, it's actually so funny because uh, you have a traumatic cake story. Dan and I worked on, on Hungry Beast. The very first episode we ever put to air was fucking terrible. It was really bad. And uh, we got chewed out the next day by, by our bosses. They're just like, this is unacceptable. This is all really bad. And they just yelled at us for like 45 minutes. And then at the end, they brought in muffins. And... <laughs> Oh and my God. I've we, suppressed we this have memory. not been able to eat muffins since. Like no one who worked on the show, every time you see a muffin, you're like, I've done something very wrong. <laughs> Pavlov's <laughs> muffins. <laughs> and we're going to make you hungry beasts. <laughs> um, Bring in the muffins. <laughs> so who would you like to see given a show on Channel 10? Who do you think? Whoever wants to bring back Man O' Man. I'm fucking, I'm hype on Man O' Man coming back. Is that, how do we feel about that politically for 2019? Well, I didn't watch television in the 90s, so all I remember vaguely was people being pushed into a pool. Is that still a thing? James O'Loughlin hosted it. Who's James O'Loughlin? No, Rob Rob Guest was Oh, Rob Guest. See, they just talk about old... No one knows That's what the show is now. Please, Lewis, Australian musical theatre royalty, Rob. Guest host that he's passed away. Yeah, I want to see Simon Townsend and Woodrow come back and do a political chat show. <laughs> That's what those three people have paid for, that reference. <laughs> this is a rational fear, uh, officially outlasting Saturday Night Rove by 59 episodes. <laughs> Our next fear monger is Shalala Badora. <laughs> I guess I wanted to talk to you a little bit about Canberra, because we are all from Canberra. And I had a real trouble trying to work out what I was going to say here, because I'm not from Canberra, so the last thing I wanted to do was like perpetuate any myths or stereotypes about this town, which I moved to eight years ago, like most people thinking I'd be here for a year or two, here I am eight years later, calling it home and actually really loving it. So um, I work on a national broadcaster, a national radio show, and I'm the only person from Canberra in my entire team, which has some benefits. I mean, I can come to work wearing Ugg boots and no one knows about it. I can tell my colleagues that I'm neck deep in Senate estimates, but I'm actually just listening to the Ariana Grande album really loudly in the office. Lewis, don't tell anyone that could get my Triple J card revoked, so please, please keep that to yourselves. Um, But one of the things I find that I do a lot is I end up just correcting the record about Canberra constantly. I mean, I've had to correct more than one person who clearly doesn't live here that Canberra isn't the same thing as federal parliament. They're two completely different things. (laughs) And I have also had to correct the record for people who think that politicians live here all the time and that we chose them. We did not. In fact, only five of the 227 parliamentarians currently in federal parliament are ours. The rest belong to you dickheads out there in the country. If you don't don't like what goes on in federal parliament, there's a really easy solution. Don't vote dickheads in. It's really simple, rest of the country, why won't you listen to us? 
And nowhere is this idea of Canberra being a little bit apprehensive to the rest of the country, nowhere is that as evident as the horrible, horrible phrase, the Canberra bubble. The Canberra bubble, the Canberra bubble, the Canberra bubble. Politicians say it all the time. Um, and it's particularly... I thought this was the, the point at which the Canberra bubbles would actually go. Thank you. Mr Q, Mike, Mr Q. <laughs> um, it's a particularly infuriating phrase because politicians use it to their advantage to make us in Canberra seem like we're out of touch with everyday people. What are we if not everyday people? Um, the idea of using that phrase is to make us seem like we're a town full of political elites who eat lobster and get their mistresses pregnant, which is clearly <laughs> insane because we're a landlocked city. Where are we going to get lobster? It just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. So... so the word, the word Canberra bubble or the phrase Canberra bubble actually was so used last year by our Prime Minister that it's now um, entered into, as the word of the year, into the Australian National Dictionary Centre. So if, if ever there was a time to change to Oxford, my friends, it is now. Which, the irony of all of this is that Canberra has for years been trying to build a really tolerant, inclusive and welcoming society. So to have us associated with something elite and exclusive and cliquey is really unfair. Canberra, for example, um, was the first jurisdiction to ever um, include the freeze response for victims of, of um, violent assaults, for example. So it ended years of sexual assault victims being in front of court being asked why they didn't fight back. And long before um, the postal survey was a glint in Peter Dutton's eye, we had same-sex marriage. <laughs> for, five, for five days in 2012, 30, <laughs> 31 couples got married. Um, this is despite intense pressure from the federal government and a lack of certainty when it came to the legality of their marriages. And if you ask me, that is a sign of hope. That is a sign of tri a triumph of hope. So um, we have a whole bunch of things that make us stand out as this city. We are the most highest educated, for example. We have the highest year 12 attainment. We have some of the best public schools in the country. We have the lowest youth unemployment in the country. And we also um, have the highest weekly earnings, which goes some way to explain why Kingston Super Barn is so expensive. <laughs> but frankly, not enough of the way. So... That was an excellent local reference. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... It really bothers me and it really upsets me then when we hear our Prime Minister talk about gender-neutral toilets in the public service, which anyone who's worked in the public service will know how hard that would have been to actually get off the ground and how long that would have taken to get off the ground. And for him to call it ridiculous, um, it, was, it was really sad. And to have people like Lyle Shelton um, talk about these toilets, like these bathrooms that we have created as a small way of making vulnerable people in society feel a little bit safer in the world, to hear him say it's gender madness, it's capitulating to gender madness, it's, it just it makes us think that these people don't speak for us. They don't know what Canberra is like. They don't know how hard we've worked to cry, try and build a really inclusive and tolerant kind of city. Um, and I just think if, if we look at Canberra from the outside and we look at all the hard work we've done to make it the place that it is, I think that's the bubble we should be talking about. That was great. Oh my God. I'm ready to, I'm ready to you vote for mic? you. Yeah. Have you changed your mic? <laughs> Are you going to stay now, Lewis? No. <laughs> I can see a new number plate for Canberra in, I think it says the nation's capital now, I think it should say Canberra, not just Parliament, dickhead. <laughs> I would vote for that. That was like the greatest and campaign speech I've ever heard. That was so good. That is a sad indictment on our politicians. <laughs> can someone explain the um, barn joke to those of us who don't live here? Super barn. So basically we have IGAs in Superbarn in 
this particular um, territory that are the most expensive. Okay. Anywhere. Expensive supermarkets. IG Pay. IGA, so like little local independent ones, and they're the they're literally the most expensive in the country. Okay. All right. More than most. You need to bring hundred thousand dollars in your shopping bag to there. That's as opposed exactly to it. The Just for around. one bit of peanut butter. <laughs> and and also like oh Shelton, I mean for God's sake, every airline's got a gender neutral toilet. You weapon sprayed <laughs> knob. What, what else can Canberra do in terms of soft power? You know, Hollywood has movies. Europe has Eurovision. Uh, is there something culturally that Canberra can do to take Canberra culture to Australia? They've got a lot of portraits. You can take the portrait gallery everywhere you go. I would actually like to see Canberra um, kind of follow in the footsteps of our the other territory in this, in this nation, this fair nation of ours, and have a, a beer can raft. Like, we could just have that all across Lake Burley Griffin. I reckon that would, that would draw a big crowd. I, I, I think we need to bring back, and I, I regret I've forgotten what it's called, the big, the big titted balloon? What was it? Skyway! Skyway. Skyway. <laughs> yeah, the big titted balloon? Yeah, bring, that, bring that back. Yes. <laughs> That's great. I thought you were talking about George Christensen. Um, (laughs) That's a fat joke. I'm a beast. He's currently floating around the Philippines somewhere. (laughs) You know, when I hit 30, I actually really started to love coming to Canberra. What is it about hitting your 30s and loving coming to Canberra? I think Canberra's a great town if you're of the age where you enjoy or need naps. (laughs) <laughs> so both ends of the spectrum of ages think about the older you know generation and the younger generation love naps love Canberra <laughs> well Canberra is uh, the second fastest growing city in Australia uh, and as we heard earlier there are some very controversial plans for lots of infrastructure including extensions to the war memorial and freeways and all sorts of things but there is one other controversial extension that has just happened at Questacon. Um, I've actually got a copy of their latest radio ad. Here you go. Hey kids, looking for something fun to do these school holidays? In the interest of balance, Questacon has a brand new exhibition sponsored by the Australian government. The Denial of Science. Say g'day to the new mascot, Lumpy, the lump of coal that could. Get creative. Make your own tinfoil hats to protect yourself from wind turbine cancer. Or mesh undies to protect yourself against 5G. Whitewash some coral, then check out the Culture Warrior Puppet Show. Featuring Wally Whataboutery. Have lunch at our refurbished asbestos canteen. It'll never burn down. Mmm, did somebody say flat earth pancakes? Yummy. And suck on some carbon dioxide. If it's good for trees, it's good for you. Then climb aboard a replica Noah's Ark, where a robot Tony Abbott will teach you how the rising oceans are actually caused by God's tears, crying at the existence of gender-neutral toilet signs. Hang on a second. That's the real Tony Abbott. (laughs) Restore the balance at the Denial of Science exhibition, Questacon. And remember, kids, stay in school and say no to sailing a yacht to New York because you can't trust anyone who arrives by boat. Our next beer monger, Mike Bowers. So, Dan, um, look, I'm, I'm pretty worried. The giant hole that's been created in the political chat show scene uh, this year with the uh, chasm that's opened up because uh, we lost one of the true greats of the industry. Um, Rove McManus. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and not, not Barry Cassidy, but um, Pine and Miles. And for, for those... Uh, I don't know, I'm unfamiliar. You're not familiar with this? Well, I've, I've got a little clip here of, of Pine and Miles. Um, Sky, of course, loves to call its programs after the, the people who were there, Jones and Craiglin and, you know... This sort of thing. So let's just have a look at some of the fine work, the rapier insight that Pine and Miles used to give us. Time for more insightful analysis from Pine and Miles. (laughs) Welcome to Welcome to Pine and Miles on Sky News Live. I'm I'm Miles, and here's Christopher Pine. So, 
So my question is, because Christopher Pine retired uh, this year and, um, and Miles is now the deputy leader, so he's probably too busy to do it, but why hasn't this yawning chasm in political insight being filled and, and to sort of jog them along a bit I want to help out Sky I've come up with some parliamentarians that might fit the bill for us so this is a member for Forest in Western Australia Nola Marino and I thought we could team her up with the good senator from uh, Tasmania Jackie Lambie <laughs> for Marino Lambie <laughs> Peter Costello is not available because he works for Channel 9 now, making fundraisers for, uh, for uh, the Liberal Party. But um, Abbott and Costello is just too good to not use. Now, look, um, what Sky lacks a great deal... Oh, no, come on, come on. I suddenly realised when I put this together that actually this is for a podcast and these are photos, so they're going to have... <laughs> No bloody idea what I'm doing here, but... <laughs> so, look, Malcolm Turnbull was a blinker. Not many people know this either, but he would blink about one in every four frames I'd take of Malcolm. He would blink. He would have his eyes shut, which I guess is because when you've turned your back on everything you believe in, it's probably easier with your eyes shut. <laughs> Snap. Too soon. Wow. Excellent. Now, look, Bill, Bill Shorten, um, when you get under pressure, photographers had a name for it. We'd call him, we'd say that he was on full Wi-Fi because his forehead would... <laughs> oh, yes! That's so good. His forehead resembled the Wi-Fi sign. <laughs> that is so good. <laughs> that wasn't his only range, though. He had half Wi-Fi and quarter Wi-Fi as well. On full Wi-Fi, the messages would get in quicker. So. <laughs> uh, now, look, um, our favourite... This, this is an emerging Prime Minister, and one of our favourite games is to make him look like the Messiah from the Shire, because these round, these round windows are round the courtyard where he gives his press conferences, so you'll see us getting into all sorts of contorted positions trying to... This emerging genre we like to call, as photographers, who farted. For those playing along at home, this is a picture of our current Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, and no one is near him in question time. This was at the G7 in France. <laughs> Farting gone international, I love it. Yeah, he's gone international with who farted. Now, look, this might change. It's an early genre, but we sort of... That's what we're working on at the moment. Um, look, uh, uh, this, is the, this is the logo for the country Liberals in the Northern Territory, and it struck me that maybe the company who designed it is trying to send us a subliminal message because there's a, a coloured chap who's trying to remove the O in country. Now, <laughs> if there's one letter in country you don't want to move, it's O. This is something else I miss. This is a good senator from Queensland who retired at the last election, Ian Macdonald. In his last week of parliament, he wandered, wondered out loud, because he chaired one of the Senate estimate committees, whether Mr, the Chinese businessman, Mr Huang H-U-A-N-G, was any relation to the Labor leader in the Senate, Penny Wong W-O-N-G. Now, look, that's, I don't know, that's a fair enough question, because I've often wondered if he was related to Ronald. <laughs> and that is what you should be scared of, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Thank you. A rational fear. If the Department of Homeland Affairs asks, we're all au pairs. A rational fear. Your fear is rational. Our final fear monger tonight, Lewis Hubbard. Hello, thank you so much. Can we just give a quick round of applause to everyone you've heard so far tonight? Ah. You guys are great. You guys are a generally, genuinely wonderful audience. Thank you so much for coming and bringing a lot of energy. It's been really fun. Uh, all right. In the cocaine business, there's an old saying. First you get the money, then you get the power, then you get the women. The Liberal Party has a different saying. First you get born into money, then you get the power, then you get more money. Recently, they were getting more money at a low-key, casual $10,000 a head fundraiser. Nothing weird about that. Who wouldn't drop 10k to eat a Baymarie steak next to a room full of your racist uncles? <laughs> the problem with this one was that it was held at the headquarters of Channel 9. Traditionally, politicians attend television networks to be held to account. This time, it was to put money into an account. 
Yes, Channel 9 raised $700,000 for the Liberal Party. Unfortunately, since Channel 9 now own Fairfax, they have a staff of actual journalists with actual ethics who were actually really angry about that. And they weren't alone. Even Alan Jones was against this fundraiser. Imagine being schooled in media ethics by Alan Jones. A man whose list of apologies includes inciting a race riot. Scott Morrison refuses to go on Q&A, but now we know what it takes to get him to come to a television station. Promise you won't ask any questions and $700,000. He'd be more comfortable at Channel 9 anyway, Scott Morrison. It is in North Sydney, the widest place in all Australia, whereas the ABC in Sydney is in Chinatown, which is really much more Labor's bribery heartland. That's a, that's a really good joke. <laughs> I think that deserved more. Lewis, can you do that joke again? <laughs> do that joke again! No, I come, I come here for awkward silences and booze. <laughs> it's what gives me strength! <clears throat> no, let's be honest, really. The difference between $100,000 in an Aldi shopping bag and $700,000 from a $10,000 a head dinner is basically nothing. Like, one is a crime, one is encouraged, but the only difference is the method of cash delivery. The Labor Party shouldn't have used an Aldi shopping bag. They should have put $100,000 in a deal-or-no-deal briefcase from, from Channel 9's prop stores. Channel 9 could have hidden this donation too if the Today Show happens to randomly call a number and Scott Morrison happens to pick up the phone and happens to say, I wake up with Today... That's not a bribe, it's a bit of fun. Now, Nine's boss has admitted that raising money for the Liberal Party was a mistake. And it isn't easy to get Channel 9 to admit to mistakes. Eight years later, they still haven't apologised for Ben Elton's lie from planet Earth. Yes. I, I really wondered if any... I know I knew Mark Humphreys would like it, and I, I didn't think anyone else would, and it's you, and, uh, and I don't care. Again, I come for the booze and the silence. <laughs> I made it to the final auditions. <laughs> you dodged a bullet. Uh, yeah, at the ABC at the moment, we're about to start a GoFundMe to raise money for the Bananas Pajamas, and at Channel 9, they're giving away money. Like, Gardening Australia, at, over there, poor old Costa can't afford to buy a razor. He hates that beard. <laughs> Can you imagine what Channel 9 would have done if they didn't give that money away? They could have run a slightly less exciting version of Millionaire Hot Seat. The $700,000 air hot seat. They could have put the pile of money at the end of the Ninja Warrior obstacle course and let every politician desperately try to get to the end. Just imagine watching Scott Morrison drooling dollar signs in his eyes as an oversized pool moodle swipes around and knock him <laughs> off some monkey bars and into a pool. It's a hot show, it should replace Saturday Night Rove. But imagine the commentary on Ninja Warrior from Ben Fordham, because he not only hosts Ninja Warrior, he also hosts a show on 2GB, which is owned by Macquarie Media, which is owned by Channel 9. Whoa! Ooh. At that point, the most difficult obstacle on the course to navigate is the conflict of interest. <laughs> uh, but no, not that Channel 9 giving money to a political party is a conflict of interest at all. Just because... The Liberal Party changing the media ownership laws is the only reason Channel 9 could afford to buy Fairfax. It's not related. And, it wa and that, was hap that happened so that Channel 9 could own things uh, like 2GB, which could become stronger and a strong competitor to News Corp, is what they said. Uh, and that is an exciting bit of media competition, I think. It'll be great to have a real national debate like that. On one side, News Corp's Andrew Bolt. On the other, Channel 9's Alan Jones. They never agree. Those two, they're like Margaret and David, always bickering. <laughs> no, between the Liberal Party fundraiser and the New South Wales Labor Party eye-cacking its dax every two hours, a lot of people are starting to wonder if we should think more carefully about how to remove private money from our politics. And look, removing the private money is one way to go. The other way, legalise bribery. It's kind of like the Olympics. Like, imagine if we stopped trying to stop athletes from doping and just went, fuck it, juice up. 
You know, let's see how much human growth hormone a 12-year-old gymnast can take. It'll be a spectacle. And now imagine that in politics. No more taking bribes disguised as fundraising dinners. Let's just see who's the fucking best at taking bribes. It's the same thing. It always has been. Let's stop pussyfooting around and start catfooting around. I want some big fucking foots in the mix. You know what I mean? Put the left one in. Put the right one in. Put the left one in. Shake it all about. Until a bag full of bills falls out and lands on your fucking desk and you approve another casino. I actually genuinely think more children would get into politics if bribery was legal. Because then every school kid would get to learn the new saying, first you get the power, then you approve some poorly constructed developments, and then you get an Aldi bag full of cash and no one cares. Thank you very much. This has been Irrational Fear. Please thank your fear mongers for tonight. Lewis Harbour, Shalala Medora, Mike Bowers, Mark Humphreys. My name's Dan Illich. This show is written and edited by Mike, Shy, Mark, Dylan, uh, DJ Dylan Bain, that is. Uh, it's edited by Jacob Round. The tour is produced by Yvonne Rowan and Kathleen Token. Thanks to the Street Theatre here in Canberra. As always, there's always something to be scared of. Good night! Good night!